Is that a knock at the door? Yes, it is. Is that the pizza guy that you've been waiting for for an hour and a half? No, even better. It's a podcast. Hey, everybody. It's me, Stefan Satani, with a comedy advice podcast coming at you with a meaty dish of an episode here. We've got Sarah Tolomash, hilarious comedian. She's been on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, The Late Late Show with James Corden. She's been on Comedy Central roasting her husband, Joe List, and she's also got her new album voluptuous boy i always want to sing it like permit voluptuous boy you got a new album done but i'm not going to so i'll spare you that but you guys this this episode is jam packed with advice sarah talks about her comedy career what's worked for her how she's been able to be as successful as she is and i love the fact that she is also a helper She wants people to not make the same mistakes that she did. So it's a really awesome episode. She is an incredibly talented, intelligent, funny person. And I have a link in the show notes to support her through following her on social, listening to her new album, which I highly recommend you do because it is my favorite album this year so far, which is a tough thing to say because I've heard a lot of amazing albums. Comedy is just booming right now it's surging and i'm so happy because in quarantine people not being able to talk to each other or see each other people still in their houses not going out as much we need this to thrive and grow so guys laugh laugh and learn laugh learn love it's an adaptation of the julia roberts film and you don't even have to go to india or italy you can just stay at home and laugh before we get into it i just wanted to say a huge thank you if this is your first time I really appreciate it. Gracias, grazie, arigato, danka. You guys are awesome. And for all of you listeners coming back for more, you voracious listeners that just keep drilling through episodes, thank you. You guys are boosting my ego when I see the download numbers going up. And then I really appreciate all of you guys that have subscribed, told your friends, talked about it, shared on social, and left a review. That's really important. And if you guys want to support me on Patreon, you can do that too. I have a link there in the show notes. You can get some bonus content. You can get early releases and ad-free stuff. So it's really, really cool. So thank you. Thank you. You guys are awesome, and I love you. All right. Enough of the sappy stuff. Let's get into the episode. A comedy advice podcast. An advice podcast for deafened and friends. To make exaggerated statements not meant to be taken literally. What was that, Seven? A uh, comedy advice podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Comedy Advice Podcast. My name is Stefan Satani, and I'm your host. Joining me today is a glorious, amazing guest. Her name is Sarah Tolomash. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hey. Besides being extremely hot in the, the summer of NYC, how is everything going over there? Pretty good. Things are slowly getting better. Like I did an outdoor show yesterday, and then I did an outdoor show in Royersford, Pennsylvania. So I'm slowly starting to run spots all over the city and then outside of the city a little bit. How far away is Royers, Royers, Pennsylvania? It's about maybe two and a half hours. It's really not that far by car. Um, it'll be further or more annoying to get to if you had to take a train. But The subway doesn't go fine. that far. No. And then if you took... I wouldn't want to take a train to that gig because I was just doing a guest spot. It was my husband's show, but... It's too, I wouldn't want to do that much traveling to get to that gig. 
That's fair. Yeah. Back before, th- by the way, I was going to ask you before things had closed down, how often were you or how far were you traveling to get to gigs? Was it all just spread throughout Manhattan, downtown, Queens, et cetera? Or was it, were there some other Royersburg gigs that were like two and a half hours away that you were going to a lot? Oh, before pandemic? Yes. BP. Oh, BP. Yes. Um, I was going all over. Like I had a lot, I did a lot of spots in the city and then I also was going, doing a little bit of the road and things had picked up. Like it was kind of a bummer because I was starting to headline a lot more. And then I felt like, um, that as soon as that was happening, then the pandemic hit that now I'm like, Oh shit. I hope I get to, People remember me. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, well, hey, fortunately, you had the album that came out, and it is amazing. Voluptuous Boy. I love Thank the name you. as well. I, I don't know why, but I keep singing it in my head to the tune of Promiscuous Girl. Oh, somebody, was that you on social media? Or somebody had said that they were doing, they had the same problem. Or maybe it was you. Maybe I'm not it, sure. Uh, I, don't I mean, know who I, knows? Yeah, yeah, but but hey, it's a catchy way to remember the title, and so yeah, it's awesome. I did order it on a- Apple Music, iTunes, but it's available everywhere your ears can consume content. Yeah, it seems so. I wanted to ask you a little bit about it. So you did it right on the the cusp of when when Corona came down upon the United States. I well, I was fortunate. I felt like I got my album in right under the buzzer because things really shut down about. Uh, I think a week after like September 13th, I think the seller was starting, was doing shows. And then by the end, by Monday or Sunday or the 14th or the 15th, things had shut down. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, I even heard a Corona joke in there and I was like, oh, this is fresh. This is really, really <laughs> fresh. <laughs> yeah. And then it came time. I got my audio files right in the beginning of pandemic and quarantine. So I had something to do. So it was really easy for me to like overturn it pretty fast oh nice nice um by the way and this is coming from somebody that doesn't under doesn't know but how does it work with getting the audio files and and creating the amazing album that you've created like um they well 800 pound gorilla was the record company that um asked if i'd be interested in doing an album and anytime somebody asks i'm always i always say yes and i heard I mean, they were a pretty reputable record label for stand-up, so I felt comfortable because I didn't want to do. You can do it on your own, but there's a like they're really good at working algorithms and knowing what playlists to get on, like the science behind getting your numbers up. Oh, smart! Yep. Yeah, they know what your demographic is. They do all like data analyzing, so they know where you might hit harder than other markets. So. I was like, sure, because that is not information I would have known on my own. <laughs> um, so they had and they record and I chose New York Comedy Club because that's the club I perform at the most. And I love them. And they've always been so nice to me. And they have on 24th Street, they have like a nice black box. That's like a nice room that the laughter resonates pretty well. So and they had already recorded albums there before. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't going to be a complicated thing. Cause I always say, th- keep things as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. So I just recorded there and then they sent me the files and then I went through all the audio files and, um, 
I went through everything individually and, you know, trimmed some M's of um, ends of jokes or beginning if I felt like I was fucking around too much or it didn't seem like it added to the album. Then I cut that stuff out. But I kept some things in there. There was a, a waitress spilled drinks. So I kept that in there. <laughs> yes, I did hear that. I like that. Oh, that's cool. That's really it's almost it's very similar to a podcast, except tons of work being able to and years of writing and and getting jokes just right and putting them in there. Yeah, but, I felt like that process was actually quite satisfying, you know, cleaning up some of unnecessary ums or, you know, mm -hmm. making it very cohesive, um, maybe taking a joke that worked better in the second set and putting it in the first one there. So you do there's a lot of stuff that you can do. So it's because it's it's hard to even when you're taping for five minutes to submit for a late night, like even that's a hard it's hard to get a perfect tape mm -hmm. like every all the stars need to align for you. So right. you get worried about. So, you, yeah, you work, you you do with the best what you have and then put it together and make it a nice album. Oh, man. And a nice album. It was I have to tell you, being perfectly honest, it's been my favorite comedy album that I've listened to this year. Oh, wow. Thank you. It is. It's the only one. No, I'm kidding. I've listened to. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I, I've listened to quite a bit. And um, there have been some amazing albums that have come out this year. But yours was just I, I listened to it twice. And both times oh, nice. I was just cracking up. And I, I think I think there's a lot of brilliant writing in there. I also feel like your delivery is just something about it there's this magical essence or aura to it that i think the way with your voice it, it just propels the jokes where they're they're these just solid punchlines, and the way that you deliver them makes me chuckle so <laughs> thank you i because i'll listen and i'm like god i hate my voice so no! it's nice to hear <laughs> no i i think it's one of the my favorite parts about it the writing is is awesome but then the the voice i think is just like a a, a cherry on top of the cake because oh it, well thank you i appreciate that <laughs> oh hell yeah and i i have to say too i mean my <laughs> Some of my, I had a lot of favorite parts. So one of them was when I lived in New York, I would see people crying in public. And so when you told your jokes about that, it reminded me of that. And I also, I come from a small town in, in Arizona. So my instinct is to go up to the people that are crying in public and be like, are you okay? And yeah. so I did that. And this girl was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So I did. Yeah. Get like this, that's what we do here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is normal. Stop. Go away. So that, that was really funny. But I also liked, you also had some really cool callbacks where you started off with your avocado bit. And then later you did a nice callback where you're like, I got to get home. I've got avocados waiting for me. And oh, um, I, I just wanted to ask a little bit about the the album in terms of the writing style. Like how, how long did it take to come up with this album? And um, I, well, I'll start with that question and then we'll go into to more. Sure. Well, I felt like it's not like I was like, I'm going to write this hour this year. I don't really work that way. Although I right. wish I did. Cause that would be really nice. But I like my jokes to come organically, so it'll just happen and I keep track of them. And so these were the jokes that I had probably been doing for the last five years. And so when building the set, like in the city, you only get 15 minutes. That's usually the longest amount of time that you get. So mm -hmm. I would build it that way 
And then when I did the worked on doing 45 to about an hour, uh, then things kind of changed. I switched the order. I was going to do the second half first and then the first half second. Oh, okay. but I felt like the second half was dirtier than the first half. And it's usually it's not a rule, but it's a good rule of, or a suggestion to go by is probably do your weirder and maybe dirtier stuff towards the end. Cause you want to form like, I guess a trust with the audience. Some people don't like it, but if they realize that you're just being goofy or silly, then they will be a little bit more, I don't know, easy going on it or like it. So I, it's just easier to do it that way. So I switched it. That I, I see some sense in that too, because I think when I was looking, I heard you talking about it on your podcast Vag, but it was like Jim Gaffigan is just dominating the charts in in uh, Apple Music and being a yeah. clean comic. <laughs> I think just that accessibility makes him opens him up to a broader range of people where it's smart where I remember before I bought the album, I saw the free tracks that I could listen to and they're the first ones. And so they're cleaner. So you can kind of ensnare your audience being like, you can trust yeah, me. You don't want to <laughs> start talking about your pussy right off the top. <laughs> I think that could be quite jarring, I guess. I mean, yeah. you can if that's your act and people are familiar with you. But I mean, this was my first album and I was wanting to get streamed. So I, you know, I consciously put some of the dirtier stuff at that. I mean, there is dirty in the middle. There's nothing I can do. It just is how I write. It's like whatever it comes <laughs> comes to me then i put it out there so yeah yeah no, i i think it was very well constructed i think that's a smart way to do it you just leave the pussy jokes for the middle and the and the end yeah so that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome and then i know um i i was gonna say too so during quarantine have you been doing zoom shows or as far as stand-up is going i know you've been saying that you've been doing some outside gigs but how has it been how have how have you been handling um, not doing the Zoom? The Zoom shows were like, it was a unnecessary or not an unnecessary, a necessary thing to do. Cause that, you know, you're like scrambling. You're like, what am I supposed to do? How am I, I can't just not create stuff. And people were offering to do shows. So anytime somebody asks you, you say, I usually say yes. I'm never going to say no. Some, I know some comics don't like doing Zooms, but after a while, you just get used to it. It's not the most ideal thing, but I was able, fortunately, because of the Zooms, I was able to probably build about 10 minutes of material just from Zoom shows. That way, when now I'm going out, I'm about to do my first road gig this weekend. Um, I'll have some fresh material and uh, and I feel pretty comfortable about it. And it, it landed pretty well in the... Um, on the outdoor show. So I feel pretty good about it. But I think if I didn't have Zoom shows, uh, then I wouldn't have been able to do it or have a gauge because some people kept their mics unmuted. So you could hear laughter mm -hmm. in it. And then I, you know, it treated it like an open mic. So I always did new material. And I was like, well, if I bomb, all I have to do is walk 10 feet away and I'm at my couch. I don't have to take that long 
public transportation ride where, you know, as you said, you're just crying in public. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You could even be like, oops, I dropped something. And then yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't show up again. Yeah. And so, and then also I felt like the threshold was so low, like nobody, if, I mean, if you're having high expectations on a comic in a Zoom show, like, I don't know, you're just going to be disappointed. So I felt like everybody was really cool about it. So it was, uh, I thought it was like a kind of a cool way to perform and then you kind of get used to it. Nice. Nice. And then I, I know you guys, um, beyond standup, I know you've also been doing some writing. I saw some sketches come out on your Instagram yeah. page, which I, my favorite so far has been if, what was it? If friends in a horror movie or no, if, if friends from a movie were real, did I oh, botch the shit oh. out of that? No, you didn't botch it, but you got, I don't, I think you missed the genre rom-coms. That's what, sorry. Yes. Rom-coms. Yeah. Yeah. Rom-coms. I'm going to edit that out. So it's. <laughs> <laughs> <No worries. laughs> um, yeah, I just did that because I just watched Sleepless in Seattle and I was like, wow, Meg Ryan's behavior is a little unhinged in this. If you uh, applied these techniques in your real life, like you would be considered psychotic. And then I also felt like Rosie O'Donnell completely enabled that behavior. So my friend and I wrote a little sketch for it about it or making fun of rom-coms it was so good i i remember cracking up at the part where it just pans in on her after you said something and she's like i'm in his house and <laughs> <laughs> like go to him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need to tell him how much you love him <laughs> <laughs> so how uh, for the sketch writing and, and and that, have you been doing that as long as you've been doing stand-up or did that start to evolve after you were doing stand-up? The sketch writing came um, quite a bit after stand-up, maybe 10 years in. But okay. I've always felt like my jokes are actually sketch premises a lot of the time. So I felt like... Uh, it just went there naturally for me. And I actually feel like I'm more prolific in sketches than I am in joke format. Like hmm. you can create more material that way. And I enjoy it. It's just a harder production to get friends involved, to wake up early on their day off, to shoot a video for your success, not theirs. Like, <laughs> for free, you're just like, it's such a pain in the ass. Like this one was easy because my friend and I... I was like, you shoot on your phone whenever you can do it. And then I'll shoot on my phone and then I'll try to edit it as best we can to make it seem like we're talking to each other. Yeah. Um, but I had done UCB sketch for years and I was on their house team and I really enjoyed that um, process. So I kind of learned the basics of putting together a decent sketch. It seems good from what I've seen so far, too. Oh, thanks. And you're obviously evolving in your comedy career, headlining before Corona and album out. And with the sketch, do you want to continue to evolve there? I mean, I know you just said it's a lot harder with friends that, you know, tr you try to get them up early and for your success. But well, you know, sometimes as the, lo the longer you do it, you find like minded people. So like. There's a lot of filmmakers that will do it for on a low budget. I never like to ask people to do stuff for free because it is quite a lot to ask. And if I have like a hundred bucks, I can throw it that way. But some people will do it 
for free. And then at the same time, I'm just thinking, I'm like, well, I'm doing all of this for free. So, I mean, no, I'm not making any money from this. It's not like I'm profiting. Um, But I would love, I actually want to go more into the realm of like making short films. Mm, Okay. So I, I am trying to do more sketches and shoot stuff on my own and try to get that out there. And then I'm trying to get my YouTube channel up. Um, And IGTV seems to be very helpful. Like, cause if you already have a decent following on your Instagram TV, more people look at that than they do YouTube. Oh, okay. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. It's easier for people because it shows up on pages. You can hashtag it and you can find the right, the people that will see it where like YouTube, you just put it up and you just hope that people find it. It's I think it's a lot harder to find videos on there than it is IG. And you said you didn't know about algorithms. Look at you. I know. Well, you just end up that way. It's so funny. (laughs) I just become like, I don't know. I'm like, I had no idea when doing stand up, I would be obsessed with algorithms. I feel like it's my new religion. (laughs) Cause it's it's like this entity you don't know anything about. You don't know how it works because you didn't create it. And then you just hope for the best when you appease it with your creations. And then you're like, please. Instagram algorithm, do me right. <laughs> yeah, you have a little shrine to the Instagram logo, please, please. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> it's it's important though, like you said, exactly like you said. Like the reason you went with eight hundred pound gorilla is they know demo your demographic and know where you're gonna hit harder and things like that. I do think like you're doing, it's useful to to learn and scratch the surface. And if you can get beyond that, yeah. It's just such a complicated world of algorithm yeah i think it's just going to be the way that things will be especially for i think comics and anybody that's creating their own content like you're actually you're going to have to know that i think and you'll learn it naturally i think because if you you want to do well you want the people to see you so you got to figure out all this shit god there has to be some sort of college class or something learning algorithms i think there is because there are people there's people that are really good at it with aesthetic your aesthetic has to look cohesive. You have to have an, a niche voice or a niche. How do you pronounce that? I have no idea. It's it's actually niche. No, it's... Oh. <laughs> you, you can do it. I found out you can do it either way. Either way. Great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like people are really good about that where they can hit a number really fast and that, that can like really help your career more than, you know, doing shows in the city. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I've spoken with some comedians that they started off building their audience first and then getting into stand-up, which is crazy. And so yeah. they, they don't end up being very good once they start out, but they have this following and then they, it starts to level out where they get better. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, if you keep doing it, I think I'd rather have done that route than like get good. <laughs> I'm hoping they'll they'll meet and it'll just like skyrocket. <laughs> yes, yes. I think there's a nice balance in between because I've also heard yeah. stories of, oh yeah, we're gonna have this YouTube or Twit or TikTok star headline, and then they're just awful, and so it's yeah. And then like if they do that, then their numbers next time around, it's just like something that you can't sustain. And a lot of them, I don't even think want to do the work when it comes to doing stand up because you do have to go out 
every night when it's so much easier to just create something in your own living room and then put it up and then that's your voice that way. But it, so I think, you know, a lot, I get a lot of times people are like, uh, I want to do stand up. What do I need to do? And I'm like, well, you just go to them open mics for like 10 years and you bomb, you know, <laughs> quietly. And every now and then you get good shows and like people book you, but you go out and then they're like, oh, I don't want to. That I, that sounds like that sucks, and I never see them end up doing it. <laughs> like people don't want to put in the work, and you're like, you have to put in the work. Everybody is just so focused on microwaved results here. It's yeah, like, I want to get in shape. What do I have to do? Well, you got to go to the gym three times eat a well. week. Eat yeah, you have to eat well, and they're like, that fucking blows. So then stand out. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't just go up in front of a mic and then make people laugh for five minutes straight oh well that sucks so yeah it's hard I mean think I think about all the people that like say the comics that you don't necessarily find that funny but you can you can't deny that what they do is good on stage like it's really hard to be there like I remember growing up there were comics that I never I didn't laugh out loud but I still liked watching them because I felt like their story was captivating yes that's true yeah or like they had like really great observations, but it wasn't like laugh out loud, piss in your pants, like some comic, like a Regan can be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you've been, by the way, I was going to ask too, you've been in New York for about 12 years. Before that, you were in Texas. I Just off the line of constant rejection, bombing, bomb after bomb and open mics. What was it like moving to New York? I'm imagining you you moved for stand up and yeah. was it like a new level of rejection or competition I'm sure. Yeah. I mean it's so fun like I I don't know what to tell people cuz it's hard to give people advice cuz everybody has their own route and things work differently for different people. But for me if I could go back and change things I think I would have moved to New York when I was about four or five years into stand up, then, uh, cause I think you get really comfortable in that, you know, Houston is a big city, but it's not a place that people are getting discovered. So they had a decent scene and they still do, but like nobody cares that you're the big fish in that pond. So you come up and you think you're like the shit and then you're back to doing the saddest open mics and like traveling on train for like an hour to do two minutes at 10 o'clock at night. Like, I just feel like just get your good seven minutes and then come to the city. Cause you can still, you can work on your material and no one important is going to see you for a while unless you put yourself in those situations. Like you can, um, I don't bomb and, uh, an, have anonymity a little bit around here. Mm. I think so a little bit easier than LA, but yeah, that's how it was. And I've, I've talked to a few, there's a lot of comics that were like there, you would consider them road dogs where they're real, like they're headliners on the road and they go out every weekend, but like no one knows them just because industry is usually in New York or LA and people are, I'm not saying they're lazy, but they'd rather just look in their backyard than scour the city or the nation for the next big thing. Like you're, you're going to get work from other comics. So you got to go to a scene where there's a lot of comics that are also doing really well because they're going to see you and they're going to recommend you for shows. 
So when you're like, if you're in Houston, okay. So the one person that's doing well, they're only just doing the road. They're not going to recommend you for a late night set or Mm. all that. And I'm not saying don't become friends with people that you don't want to. It's just like, go to the place where everyone's succeeding. Yes. And so that's why I feel like you should go to New York or LA. And then also being around that caliber of talent, it really makes you work harder. Like I came from Houston where we went up, we did a mic once a week, maybe twice. And then once a month, you would get asked to do the all male or all female showcase show. And then from there, if you were decent, you were asked to MC or maybe later on feature. And then, so you're really, you're not really going up that much. And it wasn't until I got to New York and you start seeing the people that you admire, you see their work ethic and then you realize, shit, (laughs) I've been doing this wrong. So it took me a while to figure that. And also I was, uh, I was an alcoholic. I'm still am, but I'm a recovered alcoholic. So I have now more time and I'm more responsible and like keeping my commitments and, Mm -hmm. I'm like a better person. So I have a more professional thing. So it took me a while in New York to figure that out. Like you have to go out, you have to go to all the mics every night of the week. And if you're not going to a mic, go to a show, watch like other comics that you like hang out or um, hang out at the clubs and see what mics that they have. And I don't know, sometimes you have to bark or do the phone calls during the day, but it's a great way for like people to see you all the time. Damn, that's a lot. I feel like I'm talking so much. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is all. I, 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 I almost wanted you to just say it again because our listeners, especially the ones that want to be comics, I think really need to hear this too. But no, that that's amazing advice, and and I think it's something that a lot of people, especially if they want to be comics and they want to know what it takes, especially if they're in like Phoenix where I am, or or somewhere. There are other places where you can see how what people are really doing out there to succeed and 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 realize you might be doing it wrong and and learn yeah. how to do it right and and really commit yeah there's like i guess there's no right way of doing it but there are wrong ways of doing it and i those are really obvious but still people do it all the time but like the right ways are just like making friends getting up and then i also suggest that if you're, I'm kind of a shy person. I'm not really an outgoing person. I once Twitter, I found out about Twitter and making videos. Everyone's online like 24 seven. So if you're starting to show up on the feeds all the time and people start seeing the way that your mind works, they're going to notice like that's how you can get writing jobs or like asked to submit packets or like do a sketch. They'll see that you can act or something and they'll ask you to be in their sketch. Like you can do that. That's another route instead of like having to go to parties all the time. That is so funny because I just had another comic on that said the exact same thing. He got a TV gig because what one of his goals was writing a joke every hour on social media and somebody saw (laughs) yeah that's a lot (laughs) yes yeah that's what i i thought too but uh, that's really interesting that you say that too because there i didn't think that there was that much of an importance on it but it seems like from the side of yes fans being able to understand how you work and and getting some entertainment digitally too as they're just mindlessly scrolling down their feed also 
um, having you be discovered for different gigs or different things like that, keeping you top of mind for bookers or whomever. It's important. Yeah. I feel like the, how I got my foot in the door for Colbert was how I, from tweeting the booker. So I, as soon as I did this one tweet, I got a DM from her about being interested for material or to, to um, submit a tape for late night. And then from there, like it took like four months and then I was on late night. So you never know who's following you because people retweet you. It's a cocktail party online. Be funny, have fun, you know? So cool. And, and I was going to ask about the late show and the late, late show. Was that the, the like biggest accolade at the time that you had done? And how did you feel when you got invited to do the late show? Um, well, it's such a long process and I had been trying for years previously with Letterman and I got pretty close, like enough where the booker was interested. And then I was going for more showcases for it. But then that producer had left the show and this happens all the time. Oh, no, Like producers for TV shows, they don't last long at each stuff. They're always looking for new jobs. So it's like, you really can't get close to some of these people because they're going to jump ship and go to a next thing. And then you have to start all over. So when that happened, um, I had to start over and then Letterman finished and then there wasn't much late night for a while or stand up on late night for a while. And then it picked up again and then Colbert started doing a lot more. And so, um, that one, yeah, she just uh, reached out and then I started submitting, uh, I sent her tape and then she was like, she goes, do you have anything else? Which is never, you're like, you don't, you want them to be like, this is great. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> is this all? Is, do you, you don't have anything Yeah, else? you're like, um, I was doing pretty great in there. It's all clean. I don't know what you want. Like, oh. and then I thought you liked me. So then that part's so frustrating because as I said, it's like really hard to get a five minute tape because like, I don't know. Sometimes you're asking to go up on a show to get it. Uh, somebody kicks the, the stand from your, where your camera is. Um, somebody sits in front of it. It gets knocked. You get a heckle. It's just never easy to get a good tape. And so I, after that, I go, I reached out and I said, well, why don't I write down every clean joke that I have? And then you choose the stuff that you like, and then I'll get a tape from there. And that was way better because a lot of times putting a tape together it's a guessing work on what jokes they want, but then this way it gave the booker power on what they liked. And so it gave them part of the creative process and oh, some yeah. control over it. And it felt, and then from there, and then I, I gave her a tape and then I booked a showcase and then I got that showcase and I, the lineup, I ended up being like the perfect placing of the lineup because that matters too you don't want to go up first and you don't want to go up at the end but if you can go like third or fourth mm. in a lineup the crowd is more warmed up and it's um hopefully no one's blown you know blown the show to bits and then so <laughs> it's a wave that you can ride and so i did right. really well that night and then after that they sent that to the next person up as a producer and then i i booked it but that's that was a really long process. And sometimes it can be close to a year before you get to go up on stage. And then nowadays they're taping it in showcase 
sets and then they cut them and then they split, they throw them in later. So you could get approved, takes a year to get on. And then it might take another year before you're set. Cause that's happened before on Colbert. It's so disheartening. Like you never know when you're going to have it in the bag, at least for the first one. But once you get that first one in, I think it makes it easier. And then people have seen that you're not a complete idiot, you know, <laughs> like you're not going to choke on stage because it is a high pressure set. Yeah. Um, and then the yeah. second one was a lot easier after that. I don't think that I've ever waited that long for anything in my life that short, except maybe when yeah. I asked my wife to marry me. <laughs> That was, <laughs> yeah, but but it's like, oh my god, I I would be terrified of choking when I went up after almost a year of going back and forth. Am I going to get it? Am I not working on getting the perfect set taped, going through and yeah. And then even when you tape it, sometimes it's not even a guarantee that it's going to air. That's happened to a lot of comics too. So you never know when it's in the bag. It's only in the bag when it airs. You can't tell people you went up. <laughs> and then like because there's a high there is a good chance and not it might not make it but yeah and that those that's not like a crazy unlikely story doing at least for your first one it takes forever to get that first one mm -hmm. in and then after that it should be a little bit smoother sailing mm. wow well shit <laughs> that's all i gotta <laughs> say <laughs> You just have to be like, keep that one, what are you, you know, that on the fire and then focus on other stuff in the meat. Like just have a bunch of little projects that you're working on. Cause you know, sometimes one thing doesn't work out. At least you can move on to the, like the next thing or just constantly be creating something. So you don't, you know, like if you get a no, it's devastating, but at least when you get a no, you got something else to work on. That is excellent advice. That's something that I've also been trying to do when booking guests, for example. Sometimes I'll get really excited and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll think about the agenda, I'll think about things that I want to ask and everything like that. And then they cancel on me or or some just something happens. Not necessarily saying it's their fault or anything. Yeah. But, but you know, if something happens and then I'm super bummed about it. So I try and make sure that I've got multiple podcast irons in the fire and so that yes. you know I can focus on something else and I feel like that's been really helpful because I I think deep down I am a an anxious individual and so I do like to dive into the world of things and and think of different scenarios sometimes worst case scenarios and I dwell on that but <laughs> yeah. um I, I do like to it, when I I find that like you said when I focus on multiple things it helps ease some of the unneeded attention on a certain thing and then allows it to level out. So. Oh yeah. I mean, cause I think we put so much pressure on that one thing to work out and they just feel like in this business, I, I don't know, nothing yeah. ever really works out to be honest. Like your success is your success to your failure. It's such an awful ratio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all failure. <laughs> so you have to, you have to get used to it and just appreciate the successes. That's great. Throughout all this rejection, what helps you stay positive? Um, well, I feel like I'll try to work on it. Like, okay, 
I'll let me, if I can write a new joke, then I always feel better. Or if you have a good set that night, that kind of like brings everything back to zero again. Like, mm-hmm. cause it always feels like you're as good as your last bomb or like your last set. So, but I always try to tell myself that's like all that stuff happens all the time. And those feelings aren't permanent that if you can't, and then it doesn't, mean that you're not going to come up with other stuff that you're just always going to come up with other stuff to work on. Like, I don't know. Sometimes if my standup, I feel like it's at a, it's stale right now, then I'll try to work on writing sketches. That's why during pandemic, I felt like I wrote more sketches than standup just because I was like, I don't have an outlet for standup right now. So I got to do something else. Mm, I like that. Well, that's awesome. This was so much advice and and tips and everything. This was fantastic. Thank you so much, Sarah. We're gonna oh, get thanks. we're gonna get into the self help portion and answer some questions. Okay. But before that, right. is there anything else that you wanted to say? Any tips for comedians or just people in general? Where no, I'm- but you know what? I love not like giving advice because it just because something worked for me doesn't work for everybody else. But like. I just want people to have an easier time than I did. Like, so if I can help in any way or make things better for you, then I would love that for anybody. (laughs) Cause a lot of times you're just floating through this by yourself, figuring it out on your own and you don't know these things. So it's always helpful when somebody um, lets you know, like a better way of doing things or how to think about stuff rather than maybe the way that you were thinking wasn't working. That's really nice. Not only are you brilliant yeah. and a great joke writer and sketch writer, you're also a nice person, which I think is oh, is a rare gem these days because there are some people that just take their tips for success and then just hoard them like a troll. But Yeah, nasty you... people. Yeah, yes, exactly. So that, that truly is awesome. All right, we're going to get into the self-help. We're going to answer some questions. But before we do, I like to center us with a quote, an inspirational quote. But before I provide mine, I like to ask my guests if they have any inspirational quotes or quotes that help them get them through their days. Oh, my God. No, I'm not really. (laughs) I mean, I I think of stuff like there is a saying in like the 12 step program of like to accept the things that you cannot change and the courage to change the things that you can like that helps me feel better. And then also I think Amy Poehler and her book had something that I liked um, to kind of treat comedy as like uh, as if it's your relationship or whatever. It's like, as soon as you start working on yourself, then everything seems to fall into place. Wow. For saying no, you had two good gems. So that's oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. I, and I do have to say to the, what is it? The serenity prayer. I think yeah. that's a really, it's an unbelievably tension releasing saying, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of things in this business that are beyond your control. So you have to accept it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Just accept it and and understand what you can accept or, or what you can change and understand what you can't. Exactly. Yeah. That is amazing. All right. Well, great quotes for just off the top of your head. <laughs> We're going to go into a quote and just try and decipher it. This is not by a person. This is actually by a robot. It's Inspirobot. And what it's main function is is to take the wisest words known to man and just mash them together for a really juicy inspirational quote so this week inspirebot says 
Only when you've experienced other people's marriage will you confront the unknown. So, a lot to unpack there. I think Inspire. I think Inspirebot's telling everybody to do wife swap because yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what it feels like. <laughs> I love it's such an eloquent way of saying. I think it's saying ch- cheat or get into an affair, but it's saying experience other people's marriage, which I think is yeah. very fancy. Um, being like, I've experienced marriage before, not well, my I own. I with a married couple, and it made me want to leave. <laughs> When I shared it, yeah, because you're like, I don't know, it's hard to deal with other people's bullshit. (laughs) And squabbles and things like that. Yeah, to feel that energy in the house where you're like, oh, I don't want that. Yes, I I feel like if my wife and I ever had somebody live with us, well, I don't think we would because it's just so, sometimes we fight. That's just how it is. And so. Yeah, I want people to know what we're fighting about. That's the most embarrassing part. We're fighting about how I'm placing the bananas in the fucking bowl. I'm like, I place them stem down because then I grab them because I peel them backwards. And she's like, that's ludicrous. You shouldn't be doing that. And then somebody's just staring in the distance like, (laughs) what's going on? (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love when couples, their little quips that they fight over because it's really fascinating. That's a new one. I've never heard that. It's very similar to putting your... Do you put your forks down in the dishwasher or do you put them up? Oh god, don't even get me started on this. Yeah. No, I I put them <laughs> I put them prong up now because me too. Be, well, I used to put them prong down because oh. I have very large hands and then I would go, I guess I can't my dexterity is not that of a human because I go down to grab them and then I would just get pricked with fork prongs. Oh. Yeah. So. Well, I just don't like the fork to be in that nasty uh, water that gets dripped off from everywhere else from the silverware. Okay. So you see, you're explaining to me logically how, it, <laughs> uh, why you don't like it. I understand that my wife and I, it gets a little yeah. more heated and well, and that's a big debate though in relationships. So I didn't know that actually I didn't. Yeah. We, we didn't have a dishwasher for our first seven years. So we were living in Jersey in a small little apartment. So we didn't have to worry about that. But now yeah. the tensions are high with the dishwasher. But yeah, I'm my husband. I just got he got a car and that's causing tension because he has road rage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Really? Really? It's not out of control, but sometimes I'm just like this. I don't want to, I don't want to hear, I can't, I can't handle it. Uh, same, same Z's, I guess I should say, because yeah. I also have road rage and I, it's not, I don't even know how to explain it. I will just yell or shout mm-hmm. at a person for wronging me in traffic. And my wife yeah. is like, that's so unnecessary. And I'm like, yeah, well, what is that going to do? <laughs> I'm like, well, if I don't say it now, it's going to come out when we talk about the bananas in the banana bowl. So, I it's know. Just... so you gotta, you gotta take it on a stranger. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So anyway, that might be a, a thing of if you're living with a marriage couple, a married couple, you're experiencing the unknown and it's, it should stay unknown because you don't want to know yeah. about it. All right. Exactly. Perfect. I think we nailed it. We're inspired now. So we're going to move on to a question. This is from Reddit. It's found by our fan, Adrienne. How do I stop people from laughing at me for bowing to them? I like doing it, and it's a British tradition I'd like to keep alive. Now even friends and family laugh at me for doing it. Can't deal with this much longer. 
help? Well, I feel like now's the time to bow. And now they're not going to be laughing at you because we can't do handshakes. So I say you're a trendsetter mm. and keep at it and don't listen to the haters. It's it's now gone back in vogue and it's like the the British handshake, we can call it, where you bow yes. and uh, and you're six feet away. You're good. I think you're absolutely right. It's the avant-garde handshake. Yeah, I like it better because there's no power move with the the bow where like a handshake. Some people give you like the worst. They're so hard and you're like, it's like they want you to think that you're their bitch or something. And I do feel like I'm their bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what are we doing here? I always try for medium grip strength because I don't, I, I mean, if I see a frail hand, I'll go lighter, obviously, yeah. because I'm not my, I, I don't want to establish dominance over you. But then this guys, guys, they love to do this. I feel like they'll grab my hand and then they do the thing where they bend the the top yes. and the bottom finger. And, I, and I'm just like, uh. I know. And sometimes you're, it's painful. And then there's videos of politicians Apparently, when you're a politician or like in politics or whatever, you want to have your hand on top and that establishes dominancy. So you'll see videos of politicians trying to like get their hand on top. top. Yeah. (laughs) It's so crazy. That's why I was like, if you do bowing, then we don't nobody establishes dominance. It's just like a fair yeah ground i think so i like it i like that too unless i feel like there's a lot there's a way to to make it established somebody's gonna bow lower than the other one and then they're gonna get all competitive (laughs) but but i would take that any day over the strong handshake because i always i don't miss that i'm so thankful you brought that up because i yeah i don't like it either i just had someone over for to to look at a pool that doesn't exist yet but he's like i don't do handshakes i'm like good me neither i did do a little awkward bow it was like more of a shoulder shrug a little bit like Like a a turtle (laughs) (laughs) a little curtsy hello sir but yeah i feel like a bow would be nice and um I did miss because I feel like there is an interaction that's needed to fill the place of the handshake. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because like when we're being being brought up on stage, I think James Madden brought me up the other day. He's been bowing and I was like, I love it to just bow and then go to the mic. That's fine. I love that. And that's so much less awkward than like the elbow. Yeah, this is stupid. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I'm not into that one. Yeah, I'm done with it. All right. So bowing, I feel like just keep doing it. And now that people can't shake hands, they'll follow suit. Yeah, it'll catch on. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll bow down to this. All right. <laughs> We've got our next and final question. This is from Reddit. It's from our fan, Christina. It's a long one. She says, how do I get over my fear of zombies? I've always been afraid of diseases and unnatural things. I got into The Walking Dead and watched some zombie movies to try and get over it, but it just gave me more graphic ideas of what they could do to me and my loved ones. Whenever I see something with more than 10 minutes of zombies in it, when it's dark and I when it's dark out, I frequently check behind me and in unlit rooms. When I calm down and am able to sleep, I sometimes get zombie dreams that are becoming more and more horrific. I wake up in a sweat hours later and that they're out there and have to stay awake until the paranoia fades. I know they aren't real and I don't expect to see them in real life when I'm out and about, but at night it's a completely different story. If watching zombie media makes it worse, 
What do I do? Hmm. First of all, like, you know, I don't want to be dismissive, but I don't think zombies don't right now don't exist. So <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but no. who knows, you know, I don't want to be, they could be out there. Um, but they're not. So you're, you're saying this is silly to, to, to believe in something that's not real well, at all. I don't want to be silly because I still I don't want to say it's silly because I still check behind my shower curtain every time I come home. But that's just for like, you know, murders. But, but that's yes. Something very real <laughs> versus checking your, your curtain for zombies. That might be a little um, less real. Yeah. So maybe like, I don't know, watch some true crime and establish something that could be real and that'll substitute your zombie fear and that you can still, you know, check behind (laughs) you all the time. But at least now it'll be people will be like, oh, it's for a murder, right? Instead of like a zombie. That's true. Study up on the facts. Look at your crime map for your wherever you live and see how many murders are happening to compared to zombies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at the zombie <laughs> crime map and then the homicide crime map. And you'll see that you have real things to worry about that can replace your fake silly fears. Yeah. I think that's good. Cause then when you're you're checking behind your back every five minutes, someone's like, What's wrong? If you said zombies, they'd be like, ha, ridiculous. But if you're like murderers, then they'd be like, Okay. I, I get, get it. You're a lady. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit, by the way, on your album. Too, oh, about... thank you. <laughs> it's a fear. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I totally get it. And um, valid, valid fear. And I love how you turned it on the the guys, too. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, you guys are content creators. <laughs> <laughs> if, you didn't have, if you guys didn't murder us, then there'd be no true crime. And then there'd be nothing for ladies to watch. So it's just like this, like vicious cycle half of us podcasters would be out of a job <laughs> right now <Would> be. <laughs> exactly um all right so anything else i mean the the only other thing that i'm thinking of i think we already kind of hit it but just stop watching zombie stuff because i feel like yeah i just i lo- and i love i do love zombie movies but i mean I don't know the I don't know a way to defend them. Is it usually a shotgun? Maybe you should get a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pro gun for zombies. So get, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> shotgun, maybe booby trap your house too. Bear trap. Yeah. That or like be- run to an abandoned mall, I think. <laughs> don't they hide out? Like you can form base there, yeah. That's yeah, that's a good base. Carry, I think they eat canned beans and not yeah. zombies, you, but eat canned beans and stay in an abandoned mall, bring a shotgun, and um wish for the best. Yeah, don't bring your friends or family because <laughs> then they'd get eaten. But yeah, I think that'd be pretty good. Yeah, travel light. <laughs> yeah. Don't have the emotional <laughs> burden of loved ones with you. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, that is the last question, and it's time to say farewell. Um, mm. Before I give you the bow of goodbye, Sarah, it was absolutely awesome having you on the show. Where can people find you? What have you got going on? It's time to plug. Tell us everything. Wow. Um, <laughs> I have one show on the horizon. It's at Arlington Draft House, but it's this weekend, so I don't know if you'll get there on time in Virginia. <laughs> okay. But you can always find me on Instagram 
and Twitter. It's the same handle. S-T-O-L-L-E-M-A-C-H-E. My first initial with my last name. Nice. And if you guys are like, oh, I can't spell because I'm from Arizona, it's going to be in the show notes. So yeah. you guys can just click right there and then it'll lead you right to her Instagram profile or Twitter. Bam. Awesome. And then I'll also have a link to your album so everybody can go and listen to it. If I, I can't be emphatic enough about it. It is hilarious. And I had... A load of chuckles and chortles so i know oh, you guys will too so it's awesome well i think that's it thank you sarah thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you next time bye bye all right bye <laughs>